The housing market is going to crash. For some, people think that housing is going to be able to ride this period of volatility without actually falling, uh, but we don't think that this is going to be the case. Stocks have fallen, bonds have fallen, cryptocurrency has fallen, other currencies have fallen, yet housing is going to remain flat and not volatile. Housing prices are at their all-time high and mortgage rates have more than doubled. So we think that a correction is going to happen here very soon. Yeah, when you look at this average home price compared to the average income for people in the U.S., it's at an all-time high. And when you compare two years ago to today, if you went to go get a mortgage two years ago versus today, as you mentioned, you've seen that rate go from just under 3% for a 30-year mortgage to just touching 7% recently. And that yeah. has a huge impact. That basically takes a mortgage payment and it makes it 110% higher. That is a huge number that could definitely bring the housing market to a halt in terms of transactions. So if you were to zoom out and you were to look at the longer term chart of US home prices divided by income, basically what this shows is housing affordability. So what we're doing here is we're taking the median sales prices of homes sold in the United States, and then we're dividing that by disposable personal income per capita. Mm -hmm. And this is just basically saying, how many times personal income is this average home price? So if you see, it sort of plays within this range, somewhere between eight times disposable income all the way down to about 5.7. And where we're at right now is, is right at the all-time high of affordability, which is about eight times affordability or eight times okay. personal income. Yeah. And this usually precedes a recession. You know, not, not a yeah. lot of people really think about housing as sort of a leading indicator, but it really is. It's a very important part of a household's decision because housing prices is such a big piece of a person's monthly cost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. When you even go to get a home, right, there's some principles of finance and personal finance that lenders will go off of and that consumers here. You know, one, a big one is based off of your gross income, you're all in housing costs mortgage and tax payments and insurance shouldn't be more than 28% of your gross income. Now, for some places, San Diego, the Bay Area, New York, that's a tough number to stay under. Yeah. But that's a good principle people go off of. And then even when you go see a lender, they're usually only going to give you a certain loan up to depending on how much debt you have. Mm -hmm. So one big one they look at is basically 43% of your gross income. They're going to add up all of your debt and they'll include what this new mortgage might be, car payments, student loans, you know, personal credit card loans, and they want to see that number less than 43%. So if you have average mortgages now 110% higher than two years ago, that's a, that's a tough bill to swallow. And we do not, I think we can all agree, wage growth has not been 110%. No. We have a huge disconnect that's going to impact the supply and demand of the housing market. There's just no way around this math. It's simple math. Yeah. People are not going to qualify for loans at this rate. And this is ignoring Price appreciation, right? Yep. Not only is your rate up 110%, but the math shows the average down payment now to get there is 30% higher. So you have to have 30% yeah. more down payment, 110% more monthly. Yeah. This is a crazy number. And it yeah. doesn't look like it's going to stop. The Fed's showing no signs of slowing down. No. So rates could keep increasing. Everybody naturally thinks, I'll buy a home. I can refinance it. I'll refinance it in two years. Rates will be lower. That's not Boom. necessarily the case. Yeah, it may not be the case at all. No. And so there ha something has to give. And so that something that has to give is price, home prices. Now, how much are home prices going to fall? We don't know. 
I mean, that's that's anybody's best guess because it really depends on what is wage growth going to be over the next mm-hmm. two years, what is interest rate policy going to look like, and all of that really determines on what is the actual underlying inflation rate going to be. Mm-hmm. And trying to forecast inflation, that's that's difficult. However, even the Fed can't do it. Yeah, even the Fed, even can't, the Fed do can't do it. it. No, yeah. <laughs> no. So if we were to just say, all right, well, what if we just have a no recession scenario and home prices were to go back to just its normal median line trend growth, then we're probably looking at like a 15% home price decline yeah. across the US. To get or, back to the average level of affordability, right? What just you mentioned. The average level. Our income yeah. based off 6. of how 8. expensive the home is. Yeah. So 6.8 times your disposable income. So if somebody earns, if the average is 100,000, which is not, it's lower. Let's just use it. If it's 100,000, that yeah. would mean the Something average like, home yeah. price should be $680,000. Correct. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Now, if there is a recession scenario, I don't think it's a stretch to say that home prices can fall by 20% or more. Just depends no. on the deep, like how deep of a recession is this going to be? Yeah. And trying to forecast that, like, good luck. That's really difficult. Yeah, yeah it's really difficult. But I think bottom line, I mean, you and I are in agreement that where we, where we stand today, it is not sustainable. No, and you see this with any type of asset, whether it's stocks, as you said, crypto, it's a thing in finance called mean reversion, which is sooner or later things revert back to their mean. Yeah. Underperforming assets will increase their performance to get back mm-hmm. to their average and overperforming assets return back to their mean. Yep. And housing right now is in this point where it's at all-time highs of affordability. Yeah. Without something else exceptional happening, i.e. wage growth or yeah. economy growth, which the opposite is what everybody fears right now, we are slowing down our economy. We've had a couple quarters of GDP. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's looking at the total opposite situation. And so it seems like price is what has to give. And we've yeah. seen this already with stocks, as you said. Stocks have had that mean reversion. They were at all-time highs in valuation. Yeah. And people just don't look at it that way with housing, it seems like. it. Even with 2008, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But people just forget you can have a decade to 15 years of no growth in the housing market in terms of appreciation. Yeah. But the past couple of years has been just such an incredible run for home values going up that I think if you're in the market right now and you're in that point of, do I buy, do I rent? Renting makes sense right now. It really does when you look at the numbers. Even, even like, I mean, rental prices has gone up, but it's still a lot more affordable than your average mortgage monthly payment would be if you were to buy. Oh, yeah. And I, if you're in a situation where you haven't found your perfect house, if you can afford to wait a few years, I would most definitely wait. Yeah, I'm the same way. Even when you look at, say, we're in San Diego, so we take San Diego County data, if mm-hmm. you compare... Detached homes, so two-bedroom rent versus the average monthly mortgage payment of a two-bedroom house that you buy, three-bedroom to three-bedroom, four-bedroom on, you're matching up apples to apples. You see anywhere from 10% to 30% higher cost for a mortgage payment than rent. Like if you look at a detached four-bedroom home in San Diego, the average rent is about 4,800 and your average mortgage is 6,600 when you add in the cost. That is a massive disconnect. And remember, when you go to buy you're putting that down payment down. You also have unknown cost and that's mm-hmm. opportunity cost. What else could you do with that money in the meantime? Right. So it's not as simple You could lose as, money in the stock market. You could. You could be 25% <laughs> down with that money in the stock market. You could be yeah. 80% down with tech and crypto. It's a, yeah. good, it's a good place. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting where the theory is always you should buy your building equity and there's a lot of great things you can do with real estate. But if you're somebody like you said that this isn't a dream home or you think you're going to move 
or you think you'll be there for less than five, six, seven years, yeah. it's just not a wise investment to put all of this money and expense into this asset unless it is your dream home and yeah, it makes I mean, sense your for your family. Yeah, if your financial situation is so strong to where you're like, look, I could buy this house knowing it's overvalued, knowing that it's probably going to go down in value over the next couple of years, but it's yep. really not going to impact me or my financial goals, then by all means, buy the yeah, house. Yeah, it's where you want to be with your family. There's, yeah. there's so much besides maximizing every this dollar. This is your long-term life. house. You're staying there 7, 10 years, 20, 30 years. I mean, yep. yeah, who cares? Buy the house. Yeah, absolutely. But if it's a stretch and you're looking at like 50% of your income has to go towards this, I would wait. Yep. Now, absolutely. there's a lot of people out there who say, well, you know, maybe this housing market isn't going to be declined because there's such limited inventory out there. Nobody mm -hmm. is really selling. That's not really the case because no. if you were to look at the monthly inventory numbers, here, let me pull this chart up here. So the U.S. monthly supply of new houses, again, this is another mean reversion type chart yep, historically. Exactly. And basically what this chart is, is it says, how long will it take to sell this current supply of new homes um, at the current rate, at the current buy rate out there? Mm-hmm. And so it usually ranges somewhere between, say, three months, really on the low end, all the way up to about 12 months. And that 12 month was the peak of the 2008 crisis. So right now we're at 8.1 months. And we were recently at 10.4 months back in July. So it's trending down again. It's trending down, but is it really a trend? Yeah. We don't know. This is mm -hmm. a pretty volatile indicator. But long story short is the monthly supply of new houses is historically a pretty pretty high numbers. Yeah. So the so idea not that a good we, case at the all idea that we don't have market. much supply, which was for sure the case in 2020. Oh yeah. That was hundred percent the case. There was no supply. We hit the all time low of 3.3 months. Okay. So that's quickly diverted and you can see it, right? We have no supply and we have incredibly lowest ever mortgage rates. We can see how all of a sudden there was this all time demand yeah. for homes, right? And now right. it's skewed quickly. I think people still think it is like 2020 where there isn't supply. When you hear people say, oh, housing's just going to keep going up. But that's not the case. The data has quickly turned. No, we, and we've seen that now. The supply is there. We've seen also other important topics, 20% drop in year-over-year -year home sales. So less homes are being sold mm -hmm. on the market for longer. We've seen a dip in terms of monthly values. The past month, we're seeing we're 4, 5, 6% value drops. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems yeah. that way. Yeah. And a lot of people think that it's like, well, you know, housing prices really don't fall. Well, we've heard that before. We heard that in the early 2000s where housing prices do nothing but go up, and that's not true. Housing prices can certainly go down as well, especially yeah. if the Fed is not playing ball and they're being very non-accommodative and raising interest rates. Yeah, and I think it's also that misconception of, you know, in finance, it's called mark to market, right? So if we own a portfolio of investments in the stock market, every single day there's billions of dollars being traded. Mm -hmm. And that share of Apple stock is being valued every second there's a transaction. But that yeah. just doesn't happen in the housing market. You don't have 50,000 people knocking on your door saying, I'm going to offer you X. I'm going to offer you Y. And yeah. you get this value. So people just think, oh, it's not as volatile. Yeah. But what it's is my moving house every my, day. You know. And I, I always compare <laughs> it to oftentimes people like to look at the market every single day in their portfolio. And that's the equivalent of you know logging into Zillow every single day, multiple times a day and saying, ah. Oh, yeah. What's my value doing? Where Maybe is it? Maybe not a so, best practice. It's not the best practice, but yeah, it's a yeah. misconception that it's not volatile. It's just not volatile because it's not being sold every second of the day. No. And, and the housing market is, a, this is a very important distinction because a lot of people like to equate the economy to the stock market or the housing to the stock market. And they're yep. 
two very different things. Everything is interrelated, but they're two very different things and they behave very differently as well. It's very important to note that the housing market, the way I like to think about it, is a lot like a freight train. There's a lot of momentum behind the US housing market and it takes a while to really slow down and crash and recover and pick back up. Mm-hmm. If you recall, the housing market peaked in 2006 and it didn't really bottom out until 2012. Yep. It took a long time for this thing to really gain some momentum back. So yeah. the US had to recover from its recession and consumer had to regain their balance sheet before housing prices really go back up. But yeah. um and the know, stock the, market hit the bottom in March 2009. Correct. Yeah, the so stock market instantly peaked in 07 and then it bottomed on March 9th, 2009 and it immediately began to recover from there. Yeah. So stock market recovers a lot, it'll crash a lot quicker and it'll recover a lot quicker whereas the housing market it's like a freight train. It just takes a long time for all that momentum to slow down and bottom out before it really yeah. picks back up. So, And it makes sense. That's what we've seen this year. We've seen stocks and these other types of assets react far quicker to this potential for a future recession, yep. rate hikes, and the housing market's just naturally slower. This is a normal cycle that we're seeing. Yeah. And I am willing to bet three whole dollars that the stock market <laughs> is going to bounce and recover before the housing market does. That makes sense. Yeah, I would probably take that bet too. For three bucks? Yeah, that's a good bet. All right. Now, this also isn't necessarily 2008 though, because that's always the comparison, right? Right. Any any type of recession, we always compare it to the recent ones. How is it the same? How is it going to be different? Or COVID. Not like COVID at all. Not like COVID at all either. And so there's a big difference in terms of just the type of loans, right? We see the the average consumer saving is definitely higher than it was then. Correct. The average mortgage holder's credit score is higher. We don't see the adjustable rate mortgages. In 2006, it was up to 35% of all mortgages were adjustable rates. Which that is, is a, insane. a crazy number. <laughs> we're not seeing that today. So you can see that no. perfect storm. And recently, the past couple of years, it's been about 5% and it just ticked up to 10%. So we are seeing more adjustable rates now with not rates a good trend. are higher. It's that no. natural thought of I'll get an adjustable rate yeah. within five or six years, whatever my term is. I'll just refinance. Yeah, I think you and I were both shocked when we looked at that chart and we saw, oh my God, those ARM loans are actually increasing. They are increasing now. And it's what you see. This trend repeats People, itself. They're, um, they're, they're reaching for that house. You know, they're reaching beyond their means for, for a home. That's yeah. what that's telling me. And you don't also see the what they call the ninja loans, right? The no income, Thank no God. job verification loans, 80-20 loans. So this is definitely different in that sense. Yeah. Um, but you still then also have Wall Street finding a way to mess it up now, which is... When the average consumer is going to buy a home, yeah, they're competing with Wall Street now. Yeah. So 24% of all new home purchases in 2021 was done by financial institutions. It's just perfect. Whether that's private equity, big financial institutions. That's another reason why we saw this explosive you know, yeah. price. You know, you had... You know, if you were trying to buy a home in 2021, you weren't just competing against your neighbors or other people. You were competing against Wall Street. Yeah, a quarter really of purchases were investors. And the stories are true. You always hear stories of people, oh, I heard so-and-so's house. It was all cash. They didn't even see it. And this was actually true. It's yeah. actually true. There are a yeah. number of firms then they would use some different algorithms to basically source through Zillow and Redfin. And yeah. they're making purchases within an hour or two, sight unseen, all cash. 10-day closings because they have basically unlimited budgets. And you've seen a lot of investment firms going. A recent one just raised $5 billion. And their sole 
business plan is to go buy residential homes, single family detached this is residential recent? homes. This is recent. Yeah. Who, who is this? Um, I'm blanking on the name of the company, but gonna, it's all that they do. Put you on the spot. They're, they're a private company. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't remember if it's invest or something. I'll remember the name. We can throw yeah. it in the show notes um, yeah. who it is. And they've basically recently just bought 81,000 single family homes. And they've got huge backing from Wall Street firms, private equity to just go and buy single family detached homes. And you have a few companies like this that people don't know the, even the names of, and they own six figures of homes across America. And so that's who you're competing against. And that also skewed this supply and demand. But the question would be, if we move into a recession type environment, rents go down, incomes aren't, aren't growing, yeah. what will those companies have to do? Or what will all yeah, the people no that one own is Airbnbs do? About- what this is going to look like for for these financial institutions? How is that going to react on their balance sheets? Are they yeah. going to have massive write offs? Yeah. So I don't know the size of real estate with on their balance sheets, especially for these larger financial institutions. Yeah, like a Blackstone is the ultimate. Blackstone's always yep. one of those companies you hear about doing some yeah, stuff. Blackrock. Yeah, Blackrock owns Blackstone, right? That's their private equity uh, arm. Two separate. Blackstone, Blackrock. Two okay. Separate. I know that, but I thought Blackstone was a subsidiary. Oh, I don't think Black so. Rock? I think they're separate. They used to be, it's interesting. They used to be um, colleagues. They worked together, then they split. Oh, and then one okay. founded Blackstone, one founded Blackrock. Okay. And I think they've had it out for That's each other ever since. That's where I was in my mind. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So closely tied, but separate entities. Yeah. And yeah, but they're nonetheless, just buying real I mean, estate. I wonder how big of a portfolio that is. And if we do have a pretty deep recession and home prices do fall by, 25, 30%, let's say a worst case scenario, mm-hmm. that's got to be a pretty gnarly write-off for them. Yeah. And can they weather that? Yeah. And who who collateralized all of that? I don't know. Wall Street. Yeah. Doing it again. <laughs> never ends. It never ends. They find a way. They always find a way. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly. So, so. moral of the story, if you're renting, you don't have to buy, it's probably worth holding off, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, if if you can afford to hold off, this is not a good scenario. Mortgage rates are up from three to seven percent. Mm-hmm. Home prices have just gone parabolic because of just the money, the, the printing money press of the United States. Yep, but now trending downward finally, and we're now starting to see it roll over. The number of deals is really slowing down. Yep, new home sales. My brother-in-law works in new home sales in Orange County. He's telling me it's not looking good for any of the communities within his company for Pulte Homes. Yeah. And so I'm sure that's true for all the other major home builders. And so, and we have an era where inflation is rising. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, which is making mortgages just absolutely yep. bonkers. It's, and we're looking at just historic affordability at all time highs. Yeah. It's got to revert back to a normal. Amount. I just don't see how it can continue to trend higher. So yeah, yeah. the moral story is if you found your perfect home, buy it. But yep. if you can afford to wait a few years, definitely sit tight and wait. There's probably a better entry point within the next couple of years. It just depends. Absolutely. I mean, who knows how quickly this thing can fall, but um, is we're starting to see it fall now. So definitely yeah. sit on the sidelines. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's it for today's episode. Um, we appreciate your time. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. Um, again, we thank you for your time and, and listening for this and we'll see you next time. See you next time. We appreciate you spending your time with us. The Wealth Fix is hosted by Ryan A. Hughes and Peter Campbell. We created this show to educate people like you to make smarter financial decisions. If you love our show, please consider subscribing, giving us a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing this show with a friend. 
This show is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as investment, tax, or other financial advice. Be sure to visit thewealthfix.com for more information. Thank you.